0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: So our schedule for Sunday is changing, and we promise that it's a coincidence that we are now very much able to watch NFL playoff football, the Lions game, all of that. In its entirety, uninterrupted. It's just a happy coincidence, but for the first time, maybe ever, we're going to say thank you to the NHL schedulers for moving a game. Uh, The Red Wings game is now happening at 7 p.m., which allows the 3 p.m. Lions game to happen for Detroit sports fans. And we are going to be recording bright and early that morning. So it's actually going to be recording before the Lightning game uh, when the Red Wings face off against the Lightning at the LCA. Which is okay, because we're going to be back with you on Wednesday, and we'll cover that game and any other ones that uh, occur between now and then. But yeah, we, we now get to record the podcast bright and early. It's Evan's witching hour. He's going to be bouncing off the walls, and we're going to be able to watch playoff football.
0: Those uh, are both home games in Detroit, right? Yeah, it's going to be. Downtown's going to be unbelievable. Get your parking early. <laughs> yeah, you should probably go on Saturday night.
1: Lock in your rates now. Go. There's, uh, I think there's an app or there's a website where you can do it. The earlier you do it, the better. That's our pro tip.
0: Yeah, it's going to be wild downtown. I'm very excited for everyone who'll be there.
1: Brad, you and Newsy, you and Derek alone. I, I do like, as much as we fight on everything, Brad, which is good and healthy, uh,
2: we have an agreement with football. We'll always cheer for each other's teams. A thousand percent. The only way I ever cheer against the Lions is if the Bills are playing them in the Super Bowl. And if we get to that point, I don't think any of us are going to be able to wipe the smile off our face (laughs) for two weeks. That's a great problem to have. There is no way both of us survive that.
1: No. There's a good chance the Winged Wheel podcast becomes Evan only thereafter.
0: (laughs) I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Which, uh, like you said in our group chat the other day, that's been the long play for you. Yes, it
0: has been, actually.
1: So, anyhow, that's our little update for you folks. And go Lions and Bills. Also, yes. if you need to make some money, they're just perpetually shoveling snow over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, folks, onto to hockey. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast, here to talk to you about all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL, and lots more. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we're going to be talking to you about Detroit's, I, I think now almost complete reversal of what happened in December. They won again last night against an unreal Florida team. And it's a result that has made them continue their point streak in 2024, uh, brought them to a three-game win streak. There's more celebration of Alex Lyon and other players, so lots about that. And the fact that Detroit is now in a divisional seed. We're going to be talking about updates in terms of broadcasting for markets represented by Bally Sports, which includes Detroit. So there's uh, Amazon coming into the fray there, what that might mean for sports fans, and then various pieces of news across the NHL. Uh, Ottawa, just an unmitigated disaster this year. They changed their coach, and they didn't even get the new coach boost. And now there's going to be potentially players available from there. We'll be taking a look at what Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers have done. Complete reversal of their seasons. We have some feelings about the All Star Game jerseys. We have we didn't talk about them last episode, but I don't know. Maybe maybe the kids are right and I'm wrong, but it certainly feels like what's going on here. And then uh, other pieces of news. From across the NHL before overtime. Before all that, I want to let you know that Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA is on Saturday, March 2nd. It's a partnered event between us, the Winged Wheel Podcast, and the Detroit Red Wings, where we host a live episode of the show before the game. And this happens to be the rematch game from last night. It's Detroit versus Florida. We host that live episode at Little Caesars Arena. It's going to feature special guest Ken Daniels and other special guests. You get access not only to the Red Wings game at a discounted rate and that game episode, You also get discounted tickets to the game. You get a special limited edition Detroit Red Wings Winged Wheel Podcast co-branded hat. It's a different version from the last one. Uh, Only the first 400 ticket buyers get that one, though. You also get access to the meet and greet. You can get autographs, uh, mostly from Evan. He loves signing those. There's food and drinks available and lots more. And you're going to be sitting in Winged Wheel Podcast specific seating. There's upper and lower bowl seats, but also the gondola, which is the same view that Ken and Mick called the game from. So go to the link in the description to get your tickets. It's on Saturday, March 2nd, Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. Again, only the first 400 ticket buyers get the special co-branded Detroit Red Wings and Winged Wheel Podcast licensed hats. They are fantastic and we will have a couple options for you to choose from, two colorways for you. So again, go to the link in the description to get your tickets today. Before the Red Wings faced off against the Panthers, I looked at that and I said, not a scheduled loss. I think Detroit is riding an unreal high right now, really facilitated and backstopped by their goalie, Alex Lyon. But the Panthers were, by and large, one of the best teams in the league coming into this game. They had found their form, are only getting healthier. You had Reinhardt doing unreal things. Bobrovsky was, and always has been, kind of Detroit's kryptonite. And Florida had beat Detroit the last umpteen times they played. So I, I looked at that and I said... This might not be one where Detroit can scratch out a win. And as it always is.
2: Gotta stop you there, Ryan. Pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for you on the show, man. (laughs) I can't believe I missed these.
1: We were talking about, you know, Mel and I getting our second dog and you said, what was it? Rough?
2: Like I was going to make a rough guess. Yeah. But I followed it by immediately saying, pun intended. Right over my head. Anyhow. (laughs) Detroit clawed
1: a win, even in a game where Florida was still probably the better team on the ice. And what a fantastic way to be wrong because holy has Detroit started 2024
2: on fire. Yeah, this is way more than we could have asked for going into this because we talked at length during the skid of the longer the skid in December goes on, the more crazy the streak would have to be for them to get back into the playoff race. I don't know if they're in a place yet where they're statistically more likely to make than miss just because uh, points percentage, they aren't as high in the standings as they are with actual points just because they've played a few more games. But I don't think any of us saw this immediately following what was going on that month.
1: It's not been, we get a lot of heat sometimes when we say the Red Wings are getting the results but aren't necessarily playing great and you know i understand that sometimes we don't frame things the best or just because we have a lot of conversations off air that you know we don't always communicate the way we feel about the game on air in the best way but what i will say is that no one should come to the show expecting just like unbridled only optimism even when things aren't going greater unbridled only negativity uh, even when there's some positive uh, notes to draw away And so I don't feel bad about talking about these games and saying, yeah, Detroit, you know, played terribly in the San Jose game and they got the result or Florida was by and large, probably the better team over the balance of the game, but they scored when it mattered. That's just the reality of it. But don't make a mistake here. If you're a Red Wings fan and you're looking at this, this is an incredibly positive thing, not something that's just a mirage. It's not going to just dissipate. Like this is exactly what Detroit needed to do. And now they're firmly back in the playoff race. Like you, you can draw and we will and we have, you can draw whatever holes in the lineup that you think are still there and whatever qualms you might have with the Red Wings team and how they're playing, but they're getting the results right now, man. And it's it's really changed it's changed the calculus of the season and they did it right
2: away, like immediately after January. Yeah, I mentioned it late in last episode. The optimistic view of this is that, yeah, the Red Wings are on this absolute heater. They haven't played particularly well through most of it, but that means they're on a heater and there's room for improvement. So if they iron out some of the wrinkles and how they've been playing, there's reason to believe they should still be able to hang in this playoff race right to the very end. And this isn't just some mirage. Now- Some of the luck they've been getting, that is obviously not going to last. So that improvement has to come. But the other positive view of this is, has the team been playing well? Well, if you count the goalie as part of the team, which you should, then yeah, there are some huge positive here Because Alex Lyons, fifth in the entire NHL in save percentage. And that's a really good point. Like, is the team playing well? No,
1: it's just the goalie. No, the goalie is part of the team. The reason people get uneasy about that, though, is that's, a lot of things can happen, and when you have a single note of, of support holding up your entire team some nights, then he gets injured. Well, I just got injured not too long ago. That changes. He goes cold. Goalies go cold all the time. There's not a single goalie on the planet that's immune to that, not in the history of the game. A lot of things can happen. Sometimes you get offenses that are just goalie-proof, and they'll just score through anything. And that's why people get nervous, and it's not necessarily sustainable. Come playoff times, a hot goalie can... Can be the difference between you raising a trophy at the end and not, but I digress. Drink.
0: Yeah. And I know we we're talking about how, oh, let's say there's all these issues that need to be addressed, but I think every fan base is really like that. You could go from top to, well, less at the top, more at the bottom, but every fan base has different things the teams need to fix. Like there's no perfect hockey team uh, in the modern day NHL. So, I I don't think there's like a huge worry there when we come across as negative saying, you know, yeah, they're winning, but there's room for improvement or they're not playing well. So I'm not too worried about the Red Wings. It's what a crazy change from December, though. Like, it feels like I've got. It's whiplash. It's I've got the worst possible whiplash. They're definitely a fan could have.
2: They're definitely playing better than December. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. This the January Red Wings team would destroy December, Jan- uh, December Red Wings team.
2: They could probably beat them with the goalie
1: pulled. I will say it's not just the goalie that's the difference. Like, yes, the goaltending, this doesn't happen without Alex Line, but the team is playing, I think, a little bit better every game. Let's walk through the Florida game. Uh, it opened with a second-period goal, scoring opened with a second-period goal, and it was shorthanded by Sam Reinhart, who scored, I think, all of the Panthers' shorthanded goals this season, four of them. If I
2: heard that correctly, isn't he on some sort of crazy streak where it's eight games a row in a row of scoring on special teams?
1: Yeah, he has like a ton. I, if you look back at all of his special team scoring, it is an insane amount of it. He's having one of the most underappreciated seasons in the NHL right now. It was a rough turnover by Larkin who was trying to gain the zone. He, a little bit of a sloppy game for Larkin, which is funny because he became the OT hero, but the turnovers weren't great. And, and that one led directly to a goal. Uh, The Red Wings got the score back about six minutes later, though, when an Ole Mata shot got tipped in by Michael Rasmussen, who now double-digit goals, 10 goals. We'll talk about him again in a second, but he's been a lot better. Ole Mata showing up on the score sheet as well. Secondary assist, Andrew Kopp. Florida scored not too long after that. I think it was literally 15, yeah, 16 seconds. Gustav Forresting scored. And in the third period, Robbie Fabry uh, tied the game from michael rasmussen fabry was in front rasmussen found him after a fantastic play where he protected the puck and rasmussen's impacts have been all over the ice and whenever he does protect the puck like that i'm like that is exactly what you want to see from michael rasmussen led to an offensive opportunity and robbie fabry 13th goal of the season he's just you can count on him to bury those and detroit tied it they hung on i think the offense really was ignited after that goal too they they had some of their best chances. They hit about 4,000 goalposts, if I counted correctly. And in overtime, it was uh, a power play that carried over. Gosses Bear went to Larkin, and then some space was generated in front, I think by Goss' spear cutting across, and Larkin made no mistake and
2: scored and redeemed the entire game for himself. It only takes one moment to be a hero. <laughs> he was every Marvel movie. That, that game.
1: <laughs> it was the embodiment of what we've been saying. Just win. Hashtag just win whatever you want to call it. Like just do what you need to do. Just get the last goal If you can get that game to overtime or if you can keep a strong team that is significantly better than you You know on the standings on paper all of that if you can keep them into a tight game All you have to do is score the last goal and that's what they did Detroit ends up winning 3-2 in overtime. It was a massive Atlantic division win Yeah, it was a three-point game, but Florida right now with the same amount of games played as seven points ahead, they're firmly in the second divisional seed right now behind Boston. Not so much Detroit's competition right now, so you don't sweat giving up the the loser point to them, but what it did do was catapult Detroit into the third divisional seed, even just by uh, actual raw points, not points percentage right now, Toronto's is higher. But before we get into discussion about the standings and whatnot, let's talk about a few players. I mentioned Michael Rasmussen. Now at 10 goals, not necessarily on pace for 20, but it's creeping up there. I think his game has been getting quietly better and better defensively, offensively, his physicality. You're seeing a little bit of a return to form. Not necessarily that he was like terrible all year, but you just know in previous seasons he was fantastic. And and you're starting to see those impacts
2: a little bit more now from Moose. He was borderline terrible for a good chunk of the season. But no, it's good, because we've seen him do it last year, and we were wondering where that was for the first couple months of the season, two to three months, however long it was. And yeah, he's we know what he's good at. When he plays simple, when he plays fast, when he plays hard, protect the puck, get the puck to the net. That's his game. That is entirely his game, offensively anyway. He's always been pretty good defensively, so no complaints there, and haven't been much complaints there. But yeah, that Fabry play was the... Perfect encapsulation of how Rasmussen can be effective. He got the puck. He held the defender off. He held it long enough till Fabry was able to get open in space. Little three-foot pass goal. Nice, simple, effective, hard hockey
1: play. Yeah. You know, you see Rasmussen's size and your automatic thought, and I've said this before, is if I was his size... All you would want to do is scare the life out of... That would just blow people up everywhere. Just absolutely destroy people's souls on the ice. It's not really the kind of player he is. If you go back to when he was drafted, he played in a league where his physicality and, and ability to dominate in size led to offense because he does have a, a mind for that. Not one that has translated for him to be a you know an overwhelmingly positive, strong offensive player in the NHL the way he did in junior. But when he adjusted his game and... Almost brute forced it. He uses physicality. He's not out there like Ryan Reeves. He uses his strength to make good defensive plays, and you know, like Brad just described, generate space. Then yeah, there's some offense to be
0: had there. Yeah, he's a real he's a real bastard to play against. He's hard on pucks. He's aggressive. He's playing with better pace than he has when he was playing poorly. And it's just opened up a lot more opportunities. And when he keeps his game simple and doesn't overthink things, that's when he's effective and successful. And I think recently, over the past month or so, he's been a lot better at that. And he has looked great at every end of the ice. It's uh, been a real breath of fresh air.
1: When you talk about why the Red Wings are able to eke out wins, yeah, you want your goalies making 32 of 34 saves or whatever it is most nights. That's It's almost like a necessary component when you're... as a team where Detroit is right now in their talent level, but you're going to need your depth to chip in when your best guys aren't scoring every night. And you're not getting the rush of like to scoring every game right now for the Red Wings or Larkin scoring every game right now for the Red Wings, like you might've at the beginning of the season. So you need your Fabries, you need your Rasmussen's chipping in there. And, And all of that adds up to a, not the prettiest win, not the way you would have drawn it up on paper, but a win that counts for two points all the same. Alex Lyon, man, game after game after game. And it's, there's no question about it. We've talked about it before. He's Detroit's number one goalie. And last night was no different in terms of what he did for Detroit. Florida's a a strong team and there are stretches where Detroit's offense disappeared. And you just thought, is Florida going to blow this open? Different goalie in that? Maybe, but no, Alex Lyon made, yeah, 32 of 34 saves, 941 save percentage. He's now put himself in the top five in the NHL save percentage.
0: He's doing exactly what he did for Florida last year. Yeah,
1: but for Detroit. Funny enough. And it's happening earlier in the season where Detroit's, you know, turning their year around again. But this guy is rock solid. He seems so steady. And some of them are really good flashy saves where it's like a high danger opportunity. He's got to be up there in terms of high danger opportunity, save percentage in the NHL. And some of it's like a, cu- a period and a half goes by. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's made every save where Reimer or so earlier
2: this season, they might've
1: squeaked through them. And that's the difference. It gives your team so much more confidence to play.
2: Well, if you look at goals saved above expected and goals saved above expected per 60, he's right near the top of the league in both those stats as well. So this isn't a goalie fluking his way to a 925 behind a really strong defense, which I don't think anybody would have had that thought in this situation. But yeah, every number you want to use To back up Lyon's performance, it's there. You want to use the eye test, it's there. Wins aren't a goalie stat, but if you want to use it here, it's there.
1: Goals save above expected per 60. Minimum 10 games played. Alex Lyon is sixth in the league. Charlie Lindgren, Aiden Hill, Martin Jones. That's not a joke. Martin Jones is actually... He's having a hell of a season for Toronto. Connor Hellebuck, Jonathan Quick, Alex Lyon. He's ahead of Swayman. He's ahead of Demko. He's ahead of Ingram, Markstrom. Like He's... He's doing it. I do hope the Red Wings can give him the luxury of having an off night. Not to say he's made every single save perfectly. like He's had some where I'm sure he's wanted back, but to a normal degree. Less, uh, way less than NHL average right now. Goaltending is a problem across the league. You want the rest of the team to catch up, but if you want to be a team that's competitive, you need a goalie who can give you the breathing space to catch up after a rough month like you had in December. Someone else. You know, not a world beater or anything, but someone who I personally have thought that they haven't had the best season and they deserve the credit, especially if I'm going to say they, they weren't playing well before. It's Olimata contributing defensively, offensively. He's showing up on the score sheet and he's like below the hash marks a lot doing really good things. So credit to Olimata. Mata. He's, uh, he's really, I think, turned it on, which is from a depth defenseman level, nice to see.
2: Someone's got to pick up the slack uh, until Newsy breaks up that trot Petrie pairing.
1: And Jake Wallman, again, he was out. We mentioned before he had the illness. Uh, Rafford, he was reassigned to Grand Rapids. So that might mean Wallman is factoring back in for the Carolina game. So that would also move uh, the defense around as well.
2: Okay. Isn't, isn't Wallman like sticks in defensive goals right now too? He's up there. Yeah, he really is up there, which is funny because
1: he doesn't get the kind of conversation that a lot of those guys do. No, not at all. And that's okay. It
2: means he'll stay cheap.
1: Yeah. The Red Wings, we mentioned, are in a divisional seed in the Eastern Conference. They are no longer in a wildcard spot at the time of recording. By points percentage, no, they're not top three in the Atlantic, but by actual points, they have 51 points in 44 games. The Leafs have 50 points in 42 games, so two games in hand to make up two points because Detroit has the regulation wins advantage over Toronto. But hey, Toronto has to actually win the games, which seems to be tough for them of late. Detroit is now back in the mix. That is aided by the fact that everyone who's not Boston and Florida has sucked, but they can't have done it without going 7-2-1 in their last 10 and starting 2024 with a point in every single game so far. In your mind, has this erased the damage that happened in December? I know this is like the fourth consecutive time I've asked it, but I think my answer has changed
2: now. No, it hasn't erased it because the Red Wings, what they did in October, November, really put them on a great path to almost guarantee a playoff spot the way they were going. And even that play wasn't sustainable, but if it had fallen off to normal levels, they're challenging Florida right now. And the cushion's gone. Like there's still no margin for error. And I think depending on what model you look at right now, the Red Wings still have a sub 50% chance to make the playoffs, but they are very much in the race. Now they, they, I don't know if they control their own destiny by points percentage, but they're getting close to that point. Oh, they do. They do? Yeah, because they have, if by points percentage, they're still in a playoff spot. Okay, perfect. So I don't think it erases how bad December was, but, you know, we talked about, you know, a month ago, three weeks ago, December was so bad that even if the Red Wings played at the points percentage they had going into December, it still wouldn't have been enough to make the playoffs. I have the stat right now if you want it. We talked about it enough. No need to beat it down. But the point being is the Red Wings in January have eclipsed that pace. Yeah. Yeah, because the stat that I was just referring to is if they play at their current points percentage over the
1: balance of the season, a 580 points percentage, it'll put them at 95 points.
2: Which will be fringy playoff team, which is exactly where we wanted them to be realistically going into the season. So having the cushion not falling off in December would have been beneficial. And this streak hasn't been as good as that stretch was bad, but it is way better than we could have expected.
0: If the Red Wings are going to have a bad stretch, I'd rather them have it in December Mm -hmm. like they typically have, than have it right at the end of the season when the wheels completely fall off and everybody goes into the off season in, in a bad mood. It's nice to see a team sort of battle through that adversity And the teams that that do go through that adversity find success, and if they do make the playoffs, they find success there because they know how to get through slumps, how to get through bad moments in a season or in a series.
1: Yeah, much like goalies where no one's immune from a cold streak or just randomly not playing to their talent level, every team in the NHL slumps, all of them. I think the worst mistake fans make is when they extrapolate too much from a you know three or four game losing streak. I do think Detroit's December was different.
2: Yeah, that was a whole ass month. That so was that's yeah. a little different. Which is like an
1: annual tradition for Detroit. And a lot of it was because of injury. A lot of it was because of goaltending. And a lot of it was because of poor play. But Detroit for the second consecutive year has played an unbelievable stretch of hockey that has maybe not erase it, if you don't want to call it that, Brad, but they've offset the damage done from a really rough December both in terms of performance and just in terms of being unlucky and the way they did it you know one two three four five of those games were wins on the road they had one OT loss to the Oilers which okay if you're going to lose to the Edmonton Oilers everyone's losing to them right now in overtime and they also won at home they now get five games at home to end January and then it's the all-star break and they get the Canucks at home after the all-star break that is they did this the hard way. They absolutely did this the hard way. And for as much as December was rough, the Red Wings and Derek Lalonde and that entire squad deserves credit for turning it around so fast. I said this last episode. If this had waited until March where it's too late and you're getting to the trade deadline and Steve Eisenman has to make decisions that are tougher, that it might not have been in time. And teams don't you know, pull themselves out of that funk right away all the time. Detroit took care of it early. Not that they can just coast now. They they still have some tough games. A lot of tough games, I'll say. Carolina, Tampa, Dallas, Philly, Vegas, Ottawa. None of those games will be easy, and the worst team in there has had their number. So they still have to, you know, keep their foot on the gas. But the good news is they have a lot of headroom above them. We just got done saying they haven't been playing the best and still they've gotten the results. And so they turn that on. They get a little bit better every game. I do think they control their own destiny. All right. So like we mentioned, we are going to be recording on Sunday morning, which means the Friday night Carolina game on the road is the next game to be played before we are in front of the mics. Next Tampa Bay at home 7 p.m. on Sunday after the Lions game and then Dallas at home on Tuesday night. Uh, Those are the two games that are going to happen before the episode after that on Wednesday. So you're going to hear the Sunday episode and probably know the result of the Tampa game. But don't worry, you'll hear coverage of that afterwards. Okay, uh, some other news. Patrick Kane, it was announced that he was out, a non-hip injury. I mentioned last episode that we're waiting for some more information on that. It came out that he'll be out for at least the remainder of this Red Wings road trip, so he wasn't in for Florida. He won't be in for Carolina, and they're going to reevaluate when they're back home. Could be in for Tampa Bay. It's unsure. And what I understand of that situation is it's confirmed it's not as hip, and it's not expected to be a long-term thing. So obviously not great to have Patrick Kane out, but it's still you can rest knowing that it's not going to be a significant thing for him. So hope he can factor back into the lineup soon. And like I mentioned before, Jake Wallman may be coming back in uh, just if you look at the Rafferty uh, being sent down to Grand Rapids, but we'll see. Hopefully he's back uh, recovered from illness. All right. That's the Red Wings. That's their upcoming schedule, and that's where they are in the standings. Back in a divisional seed. We're now back in the playoff conversation. It's good to hear. Let's jump into some other news. Uh, this is also relevant to the Red Wings. Amazon has bought a minority stake in the company that owns Bally Sports, which includes Bally Sports Detroit. This is significant. Obviously, that entire company filed for bankruptcy. The NHL wasn't able to collect full payments for broadcasting rights. Smaller markets in Detroit you know, have gone to uh, other services to make their games available. It wasn't sure if who was going to broadcast those games in the future. A lot of it's very uncertain. Now, this is going to be, I think, beneficial some ways. And in other ways, it's going to be a let's wait and see how this looks. First of all, we all know about the issues Bally has had with streaming, like the actual technical aspect of streaming. Not even blackouts, not even, you know, being in the right market or, or cost of anything. Like you are a user who should be able to stream the games. And they've had a lot of trouble this year. It's not been good. So Amazon, obviously with Prime, they have a lot of experience in this. The cloud computing, everyone knows about the biggest player in that game if not one of the biggest players and so to bring that on board with amazon that's really great i would say pause before you think that it automatically becomes available if you're an amazon prime subscriber i do think this is going to be one of those situations it's not confirmed where it's one of those channels that you can subscribe to for a little bit more in amazon prime so you pay you know we used to watch this uh show it's like trashy reality TV show that was just on in the background. Of the house Mel really loved it. And so we uh, subscribed to this thing on Amazon Prime. It was a, a few extra bucks a month. I don't know what it's going to cost for NHL hockey. I would imagine it, it's not going to be cheap. Sports never are. But I would think you have to be a Prime subscriber and have to pay a little bit more. I don't know how they'll tie it in. I don't know if you'll still be able to go right through Bally. I don't know what it means for ESPN Plus if you're in market, out of market. And I don't think this is going to change blackout rules overnight. But what it does mean is Bally as a company is going to be able to keep their doors open with Amazon's injection of, of capital and ownership and hopefully the technical aspect improves. So as usual, it's all going to be very, very complicated. You just hope it stays as complicated as it is now and not any worse and the user experience is a little bit better and not priced out of people what's reasonable for them.
0: We'll have to wait and see, I suppose. But it's better to have a company... Well, maybe I'll eat my words when I say this, but it's better to have a company like Amazon buying ownership than some sort of small player that may not have the financial or organizational stability that an Amazon might have. So wait and see uh, is my response to all of this, but it seems maybe like a good thing. So,
1: yeah. You hate to say like Amazon as a giant company having a monopoly over so many aspects. Yeah, but of what do you good. see
0: in regular media anyways yeah. when somebody goes belly up, but the other big media company buys them and there's less players in it. So to see Amazon make a, a minority purchase of belly, I think it helps shape the landscape a little bit differently
1: someone who works in the antitrust part of the uh, the government just rubbed their temples and went, I don't even know how you begin to tackle this one.
0: Well, they don't. The lobbyists for those companies will just continue to buy them off and will continue to have more and more monopolized uh, countries. So You know what?
1: Great. You know who the biggest winner in all of this is? Not the fans. Billable hours, baby.
0: Yes, that is very true.
1: Billable hours. All right. So that is the relevant news. And I, I do mean it's relevant for the Red Wings because of all of the Valley sports markets, they are among the biggest, if not the biggest. So this is a very substantial thing. So that's why I say I hope the technical aspect does get better. Okay, that is Amazon. Let's jump into some news from across the NHL. What's going on in
0: Ottawa? (laughs) Cold Pierre Winter.
1: I understand, you know, we talked last episode about or maybe it was a couple episodes ago about, you know, it's going to take a long time to undo what Eugene Melnick did in Ottawa. And you can't just build a good organization by having a good owner and a good GM. And then that you call it a day. It's top to bottom. If you've worked in any big company, you understand the the person who does the scheduling for offices is just as important as, you know, your favorite middle manager to your CEO. Like the, it's going to take a long time to rebuild that infrastructure. They're not just putting up drywall. It's, they're redoing the foundation.
0: Yes, they need to try digging up.
1: <laughs> but that team didn't get the new coach bump. They there's you know, so much Canadian hockey market, typical rumors of division in the room, rumors of this guy being on the market, just the amount of heat that's always been on Ottawa is still there. And I do think some of that's inertia. It's going to go away over time, as long as Anlauer and Steos are able to keep it under control. But they're... I don't want to say they're running out of time, but they are going to have to make decisions at some point because their core is not getting younger and you don't want to rush and do anything, but it could be to the point where these
2: problems stay even past when they should. Their problems are far deeper than I think they would like to admit. Josh Norris, who signed that huge contract and he's on the books for another seven years after this one, I think around eight mil, he's been bad this year. Thomas Shabbat, great offensive defenseman, defensive liability, and he's counted on for huge contributions. Yeah, you look at the Kachuk and the Stutzlin, the Batherson contracts, and and those are great, and those look great. But there's not enough around them to really help here. Jake Sanderson looks like that's going to be a good bet, but a team doesn't consist of four guys, and their peripheral moves have been bad. Tarasenko hasn't worked out. Kubelik hasn't worked out. Chikrin somehow hasn't worked out. Corpus Allo is a disaster and he's on the books for another three years after this. And who could have predicted that? Everyone. It's, yeah. So what do you do if you're Ottawa here? Genuinely, I don't know.
1: You don't want to restart, right? Like it's not like you have the Conor Bedard draft coming up. Yes, Macklin Celebrini is very good. And I mean, they're going to be in the mix for a lottery pick no matter what. They tried their best and they're still a lottery team this year. I don't think you want to go throwing away Tim let Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris. Even like you're better off seeing it through. But you're gonna have to make some tough decisions based on you know what are you gonna do with Jacob Chikrin? And there's already noise around him. Uh, the The rumor that's going around right now is that he might look to leave after his contract is up after next season. He has a modified no trade clause, and if Ottawa thinks this is Alex DeBrincat 2.0, they might want to trade him. They're rumored to be asking Vladimir Tarasenko to waive his full no-trade clause. Those are things that I think you should be exploring if you're the Senators, but you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're them right now, because you're playing with big, those are big moves. And I just talked about, relatively speaking, the smallest ones. You hope it doesn't get
2: down to the real core of, of Kachuk, Stutzla, Sanderson, Shabbat, et They're kind of in the same position as Toronto now where Toronto has so much money tied up in their core Four Ottawa has almost as much money tied up in their core, but their core is, you know, five, six players deep, however far you want to go. But when you have that much money tied up, you don't have room for mistakes around the edges. You know, you look at Toronto, everybody's trying to figure out why they regressed last year. Well, because they signed Klingberg, Domi, uh, conf to that extension, Gregor and a bunch of other guys. And they've been flops Reeves. And when you have that much cap hit tied up in flops, it hurts. Tarasenko hasn't been bad, but he hasn't lived up to the money they're paying him. Kubelik hasn't lived up to his contract. I know that was inherited from Detroit, but still Travis Hamannick's terrible. It's, you don't have that margin of error anymore. So Ottawa doesn't, probably shouldn't reshape their core because for the most part, their core outside of Shabbat and I'd argue Norris aren't the problem. It's everything behind Kachuk, Stutzla, Batherson, Sanderson. That is the problem. And yeah, it's, it's not going to be quick. That's the problem. That is a lot to overhaul. So they are going to have to make tough decisions. Don't know what those are, but the longer they wait, the worse it gets. The NHL We've seen what happens to teams who wait. They slowly fizzle out, the core ages out, you miss your window, and then you're doomed to be the Minnesota Wild.
1: It's, yeah, like the, the, the players that are the problem, I, they're not like the biggest earners, they're not making $11.5 million, but this is why we harp on, so much on contracts where you're like, well, that guy's not the worst player on the team, why are you guys so focused on a middle of the, the pack in terms of salary and middle of the pack in terms of term contract? It's death by a thousand cuts. They add up. Ottawa's a terrible team this season. They're not performing up to their talent level. Their talent level is not good enough to be spending to the cap, and they've spent to the cap. They have cap in, cap out problems like the, the Colorado Avalanche, and they don't have the cup ambitions or ability of the Colorado Avalanche. It's it's not a good way to run a team. The, you, you get flashes of what Eisenman inherited from Ken Holland and co. with the Red Wings. Like It, it takes a long time to undo this. And it's not the end of the world for Ottawa. I think things can turn around. It could be a little bit more positive before the end of the season. And this kind of rut was always going to come. But you almost did expect that new coach bounce. You almost expected a little bit of rebound after the ownership changed over. This is like uh, they have a they have a lot of renovating to do, and it's scary. Like we're covering a team that for virtually the entire time we've covered them, which will be nine years and a month here. Has
2: never been at the heights of where they were in the early to mid 2000s at all, period. Yeah. And it's when you lose the flexibility, that's the big thing. And again, you already alluded to, oh, yeah, guys, you guys got so mad about the Sherat and the hole and these contracts, but like they're not that much money. When you lose your flexibility, you're dead. The Red Wings aren't there yet, but more cop hole Sherat contracts, they might be. Sider's getting a raise. Raymond's getting a raise. It doesn't take. A crazy imagination to see the Red Wings ending up like the Senators right now, but the good thing with uh, Detroit, much like a couple of players in Ottawa, is the two biggest contracts on the Red Wings right now look like great value in Larkin and DeBrinket. So yeah, would you take Jacob Chikrin? And I know it's so unlikely that
1: he that DeBrinket moves to Detroit, and then Chikrin gets moved to Detroit. You you almost couldn't think of that. But for
2: what Detroit needs, do you look at Jacob Chikrin? No. Not that I don't think he solves a problem. He would be a huge upgrade on defense. The left side of Wallman, Chikrin, and Edvinson would be unreal for the one year they'd have it.
1: Would you take Jacob Chikrin with a hypothetical where he was
2: interested in signing long-term in Detroit? It's hard to say because things change. He can't sign an extension until this summer. Yeah, so yeah. Let, let's say like all that I, falls into place. Yeah. Would I trade for him now? No. Would I consider that in the summer and you can negotiate an extension with him? And if the it looks like that's a very realistic possibility, yeah. But again, like the Hannafin con- conversation, the Red Wings Cup ain't now. It ain't next year. I'm not giving up a bunch of premium assets. I'm not giving up a Marco Casper or a first round pick. Unless I'm getting someone that's going to be a solution for the future as well. With term, yeah. Now, if Chikrin comes in and he's willing to sign, you know, a five, six, seven year contract, whatever it ends up being. At a not insane cap hit, I'm more than happy to give up a first round pick or Casper or whatever package you want. Because, yeah, he solves a massive problem for the Red Wings, which is their defense kind of sucks. I just can't believe
1: they're going to go through that again. They get a marquee player
2: like that and then
1: they... Like, if it works out this way, a lot can change. But if they lose him, like, for that to happen twice in a row, that's, that's a tough go. That's a really tough go.
0: Yeah, I feel really bad for them. <laughs> that must be terrible.
1: Evan is, like, the leader of the uh, online war between Wings and Sens fan.
0: Yeah, cry me a River. Yeah.
2: He, he's just on a big anti-Ontario crusade this week. That's right. <sighs>
0: hey, life comes at you fast. Just ask the Leaf fans. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, more news from across the NHL. I want to do this because it's funny. The NHL All-Star Game jerseys. You know, I saw them, and then I rubbed my eyes, and I went,
0: no, these We're are... We're old. Get over it. Is that it? Is it just for the kids? We're old. Get, o- get over it. Grown men yelling on the internet about how they hate the NHL All-Star jerseys is pathetic. Get over yourself. Are you calling me pathetic? I, <laughs> every day, every time I see you, okay. I say... I say hi, you're still pathetic. And then we start <laughs> actually, the
1: show. You actually do say that half the time. Yeah,
0: it's true. I the Elster, game, you... Elster Game's not for us. It's not for us. Do kids like it? I don't know. I'll I can perform the
2: experiment. That's I will there. show Mika a picture of those jerseys tonight, and then next episode we will report back to see what kids think of these jerseys. Cause I, no surprise, hate them. I Appreciate what they were trying. To me, these jerseys are the same opinion I have of the Kings Chrome Dome and the Vegas Golden Knights Golden Bucket. Mm -hmm. I understand what they were trying to do and their thought process is exactly where it should be. The execution was just terrible. They wanted to harken back to mid nineties Jersey bullshit, which is exactly where I want NHL jerseys to always be. And like Evan said, it's for the kids. Make them loud, bright, whatever. Exact right concept. The execution just sucked. That's that's where I fall. The, everything in this process was done well, and the end result just wasn't good.
0: They remind me of something from a Happy Meal, and I have yes. no. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Okay. Yes. I everybody, it's, it's the rounded corners. I think so. I that is the, when I first saw that, I was like, this reminds me of you remember when the Muppets had where it, you could get them as yeah. in the all star jerseys, they'd be wearing like the little hockey gear, their little plushies kind of reminds that. me of that a little bit.
2: I had we had an animal in
0: our garage I forever think, growing I think up. we have animal too somewhere in Kermit.
1: I, you guys know my opinion on the Muppets. I know I'm a weirdo. I was never, I, kind of dislike the Muppets growing up so you
0: dislike the Muppets yeah like they had something against you
1: yeah I was just wasn't a fan it didn't do it for me and well this is this is an overtime topic okay I I do think I I was coming into this thinking is this just for the kids and I'm I'm like uh, it's not for me and am I being a little bit pathetic and Evan you said it pretty bluntly I will say folks like uh the one place where Evan isn't like as uh he doesn't rib you as hard as when you're on the golf course. I was still so shocked by that. Incredibly patient on the course. The rest of your life, though, I'm is, stuck there, though.
0: That's the problem. <laughs>
1: that's right. You know, you're stuck with me for three hours. Yeah. You make me cry. Three and... hours
0: would be great. I think it's, that's
2: just some variation of Stockholm Syndrome. Probably. Which we all have. I mean,
1: look at this show. <laughs> uh, more news from across the NHL. We haven't talked about it enough, and I know we talk about it a lot. The Oilers are doing it again, man. W- what's going on with that team every single season? You have the best player on the planet, maybe the second best player on the planet, and you start the season god-awful, and now they are currently on a
2: 11-game winning streak.
0: They've never had a 10-game winning streak before. Did How, you know that? In uh, the
2: Greski era, that's insane.
0: That. And then I heard a quote that, like, uh, something like the Oilers, every party was a good party for the Oilers in, the, in their heyday, so that might be why they didn't have a 10-game win streak. <laughs> yeah, the NHL's not the
1: same as it was no, back in the but, day. There's no more uh, ripping cigs between games, going out at the bars, and have you,
0: a six pack in your stall after the game, ready to go.
1: You're the only one going back to your room. It's a quiet night, like it's yeah. yeah. The Oilers are now, after being among the worst in the league in terms of standings, are now firmly in a wild card spot and have a better points percentage than third in the Pacific, LA Kings. So they could take a divisional seed right now, and they're still rolling.
0: We talked about whiplash between December and January as Wings fans. The Edmonton Oilers have the greatest whiplash of a season going at this point. And the funny thing is, is like, I still
1: don't know that I picked them to win the cup. I think they can beat any given team on any given night. Easily.
0: When you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I'm not going to count you out any single game. Or any single series. Because those guys have the ability as... Connor McDavid showing right now to go absolutely supernova.
1: It's several, like multiple series in a row. Can your goaltending hang in? Can your defense hang in? Evan Bouchard should have a way more conversation about him. Like, not that he's been bad leading up to this, but his I feel like this might be his coming out party in the NHL. Like he is he's a factor in there. He's won him a game or two. Like that's that's a team that could come in and scare LA for a divisional seed and Vegas. They've, they're I mean four and six in their last ten. They're not as good as they were not too long ago. They still are firmly a playoff team, of course, and they could still challenge
0: for the division. But Jack Eichel's hurt now.
1: Yeah, it's it's lower body for him and he's week to week. Edmonton could see themselves as the two seed by the end of this.
0: Edmonton is seizing opportunity right now with LA having a particularly bad month. I would say at this point that I can remember. So they're having a bad Red Wings streak. Yeah. one, five, and four in the last ten. Yeah, like. they they can't get a win. They seem totally out of sorts. So hey, hats off to Edmonton. They have really turned this thing around.
1: Other teams in the West, we talk about Minnesota all the time being in purgatory. They're not really in the wild card conversation right now. There's one, two, three, four teams ahead of them by points and points percentage for a wildcard spot, and they just lost Jared Spurgeon for the remainder of the season. Hold on, but I
2: heard Bill Guerin this week. He said they're still in it.
0: Eh. <laughs> you're not out until you're out, I suppose. Yeah, they're, uh, they're pretty close to the door right
1: now. It's not over. Like you- You've seen teams turn it around, but they're going to have to turn it around fast, and it's not going to get it any easier for them. They got the new coach boost, and they went on a, a
2: tear, and then they immediately undid it with like the inverse. It's almost like they're a bad team with a bad roster and a GM who made bad decisions.
0: Bill Bill Guerin, good at math though. (laughs) We're not mathematically out. We're still in this thing.
2: But don't worry. This is a GM who uh, had accusations against him from within the organization, but he was worth keeping around. Yeah, the
1: multiple investigations had to have been a distraction as well. Like that's, I don't know. I get you needed to shake things up because the wild have been in this position as long as they've existed, but you have to look at those decisions and say, is this what you want long-term for the team? And then elsewhere across the NHL, we all know the Corey Perry saga where he uh, had his contract terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks for uh, the specifics weren't released, but a, a team event where he did something to a team staff member or team employee uh, it involved alcohol. He talked about alcohol abuse in his apology letter, et cetera. Uh, it seems like he is eligible to return to the league. He was never formally banned, and uh, he's probably going to be a guy. I thought before, based on what was out there, that this was this god-awful thing, and he would be on you know, the commissioner's list to not be eligible to return, but nope, he is, and I would imagine a, a playoff or a cup competitive team might want to bring in Corey Perry, so he's probably someone you're going
0: to What if Detroit ask? signs Corey Perry to a league minimum deal? I just, uh, you know what? I want to bite my
1: tongue because I wanted to make a joke right there, but now if I made a joke about it, it would happen.
0: Yeah, just look in the camera and say what you're going to say. I'm not (laughs) not cursing us like that. (laughs) We have someone doing clips for
1: us now. I know that's going to get plastered everywhere. Okay, that's the NHL. That's the Red Wings. Let's jump into Overtime here. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Podcast. if you want to support the show. What it allows us to do is continue to grow and improve the show and have someone doing clips for us and... Uh, you know, support the Jamie Daniels Foundation and uh, produce Expected by Whom, hosted by Sean Shapiro and Prashant Iyer, and run Windwheel Podcast Nights in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins and the Grand Rapids Griffins, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you get a lot of great benefits, like, first of all, access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord. You also get access to our Patreon-exclusive overtime bonus episodes, which record right after these main ones. Additionally, you're automatically entered into all of our giveaways. We are giving away two tickets to every Detroit Red Wings home game this season. The vast majority going to our Patreon supporters. So, again, patreon.com slash Uh Dylan Larkin says, if the playoffs... Oh, Dylan Larkin's Nana's username says, if the playoffs started tomorrow, how many of these teams could Detroit beat in a seven game series.
2: Now, are we talking could or
1: realistically think they might? I think the latter because any team could beat any team in a playoff series. Yeah. Okay.
2: New Jersey. No. Tampa Bay. No. Pittsburgh. No. Carolina. No. Florida. No. I think Florida, I think Detroit could give New Jersey, Pittsburgh a run. I think Detroit could give all of these teams a run. I don't think they have a particularly strong likelihood of winning. Tampa
1: Bay is below them in the
2: standings right now. The, but uh, they,
1: yeah, Vasilevsky, I'm, I'm playing yeah, with fire there.
2: But this is where the context of what we talked about early matters. The Red Wings are winning, but they're not playing well. They are really, really riding Alex Lyon right now. And yes, there's always the possibility Alex Lyon gets hot for a playoff series. But if we're talking about realistic, what we could expect from these teams in a playoff series, I don't like Detroit's chances about against... Literally any of the playoff teams right now.
0: I'll take Carolina and New Jersey. Maybe
2: LA. I LA they could beat. That right
0: wasn't
1: now. on the list. They'd have to play them in the cup finals. I know, but that's I'm That'd just saying. That'd be a great
2: playoffs if that that's was happening. probably the only playoff team right now I would say, yeah, I actually like our chances. So they could. Yeah,
1: the could is the operative word. Yeah. Would, it's, uh, it's lower percentage. Just getting there means
2: a successful season right now. Oh, yeah.
1: That's why we're not talking playoff matchups. Yeah what they'll do. You just want to
0: get there.
2: They If they get to the first round of the playoffs and get swept handedly by Boston, it's a very successful season. You
0: yeah. learn a lot from those defeats.
2: And it, it means a lot.
1: Yeah, the players, like the experience that means for them. Eisman's talked about it. It's not just about the, the gate revenue. It matters. Never listen to an exec who tell you it doesn't matter. It's a lot of money. It Look matters. at how many
0: teams... Just could never get out of the first round. And then when they finally did, it was like light. They they caught fire, and then that was it. They just went on a, a tear from there on. So any experience in the playoffs is, is good experience.
1: The Tampa Bay, like they had to learn how to Washington lose.
0: Washington couldn't beat Pittsburgh for half a decade. Yeah.
1: More here. Richard Clough says it wasn't their best game last night, but it was definitely my favorite game I've seen all year. seems like they are actually developing a backbone and not putting up with other teams bullshit anymore or as much of it anyways. Yeah, that was a funny game where Kachuk was being Kachuk early and and Sherat relieved Kachuk of his helmet and there were scrums and Detroit was happy to participate. Do you see Gosses bear got the extra rough in that scrum? That was so stupid. So dumb. I understand sometimes as a ref, you decide, yeah, one team is getting an extra here. But for who actually started the scrum, and a guy who did anything of consequence, choosing Goss' spare just makes you look dumb. Anyways, uh, yeah, I do think, I do very much like, like as Ken said, there's no quit in these, this Red Wings team. That is both on the score sheet and I think in terms of physicality on the ice, they're very much standing up for each other, which is a big difference. I'm
0: more of a TNT broadcast guy, so uh, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: I heard that was an interesting experiment.
0: Experiment would be a polite way of putting it, yes.
1: Give a woman the heart says, who is more likely to play a game in Detroit this season? Cosa or Danielson?
0: Uh, Not Danielson.
2: Yeah. Cosa just by proximate proximity. Like Danielson can't leave junior to go to the NHL unless his team gets knocked out really early, which he just got traded to a super team. So I don't think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think before I might've even said like,
2: yeah, Danielson, just
1: his season ending, et cetera. But when he was in Brandon. Yes. Yeah. Danielson scored in his Winterhawks debut. Did you see that uh, touch between his legs? That was sick. Yeah. That goal was nasty. Yeah. So he was finally got settled in Portland and was able to, to play that game. And we're like, oh, we want to see Danielson's offense. Uh, <laughs> hell of a start. There it is. Yeah. Cletus says, given Kane's injury and finally getting Coston back and so practicing again, why are NHL teams and players so vague with their injury status? Are they afraid opposing players ret- will target those injuries or what? Yes, exactly that. I do wish they were more open with it, though. But But they never will be. Yeah. They will have to be
2: soon with the prevalence of gambling,
1: though. Udalali says, time for most likely. Most likely to eclipse their career highs last year by six points. Larkin with 85 or Rasmussen with 35?
0: What's Rasmussen at?
1: He's, I think it has to be Rasmussen. I think he's at.
2: Larkin's missed games. So, yeah, Rasmussen.
1: Rasmussen's at 20 points right now. He'd have to have a strong second half,
2: but... I wouldn't call either of them likely, but I, I'd like Rasmussen's chances better at this point.
1: Most likely to sign an extension, Gostas Bear 3 times 425 or Kane 3 times 5
2: Kane.
0: I think Gostas Bear would probably get more money than that. I huh? agree.
2: That's why I'm going with Kane. Most likely to be used as a
1: trade trip to upgrade defense at the deadline, Sprong or Valeno? sprung sprung i think a lot of teams will want the scoring touch that he offers and i think just like
0: the red wings
2: and the contract expiring
1: yeah matt says i'm curious after a few years of watching Mo cider if you have any more thoughts on his offensive upside with him playing the toughest minutes of any defenseman in the league i'm wondering if you think detroit is sacrificing any of his offense or this is pretty much where you think he'll sit with points the contract talks feel like they could be tricky if his camp argues he should be paid
2: more like an offensive d-man who's been limited by deployment it's a bit of both because I think his offensive ceiling is higher, but I don't know if we'll ever see it because he's always going to be playing the tough minutes. You could see he doesn't take risks in the offensive zone, and that's obviously going to limit his point totals. But if he's going to continue playing in the top pair, I don't know how open they'll let him be in the offensive zone yeah
1: i I do think there's more there offensively in terms of contract i mean he has counting stats to demand top dollar as it is so and hardware yeah like uh if his him and his agent are going to argue about deployment th- that would be wise and I bet they'll do it, but that gets a little bit more hazy but there's so many things working in his favor that even on a down year I, I still think he won't struggle to get you know nine million plus but i I don't want to assign a number to it right now. G.H. says, are we underestimating Peron's value to this team? I can't help but think that since that his absence played a significant part in the December slump, considering our record since. If we are, should more thought be given to keeping him after this year? Yes, I'm watching the same aging player as you are, but I can't ignore that the coaches clearly see him as a top six winger and the record with seems to support them.
2: He is the new Michael Samuelson for me. 90% of the game, he drives me nuts. He's slow He can't move. He occasionally takes dumb penalties. And then he'll get the puck in the offensive zone, do something really smart, and it leads to a goal. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why he's here.
1: He's a net positive on the ice.
2: Yes, he is. But But it's very much like it's either side of the spectrum. The eye test is not how anybody should judge Perron. But
1: it's rough. I will say, like, in terms of, like, the leadership, how the guys love him in the room, oh, on 100%, the bench. A hundred percent.
0: He's a real bastard to play against, too. Yeah. He is not afraid to get into anything, and he will get himself involved in every single extracurricular. And the Red Wings need guys like that right now. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And, like, he's loved. Everywhere he's played, he's loved. and like
0: You don't make a career as long as and successful as David Perron has without those characteristics. Mm-hmm.
1: Red Feather Desert Dog says, do you three see Chris Draper as a future GM? And if so, do you think he'll end up leaving the Red Wings while Eisman is in position as GM? I would say yes, I would bank on that. But bank on what? Like him leaving with uh, with Eisman still there and him becoming a GM someday. But it will only come when Detroit starts to see success, wins a playoff round, wins a couple of playoffs rounds. Like they... they they need to start to have a little bit of a legacy of yes, they've turned the ship around, and then people will say, "Well, we can't pull Eisenman away from Detroit. Let's see what else we can pull." Verbeek's already gone. Like the people are starting to look at the Eisman brain trust for his his success in Tampa, and they'll view Chris Draper the same way.
0: Yeah, it's this one's such a circumstantial, based on future outcomes type question. I'd certainly, I mean. Can I see any assistant GM being in a GM in the NHL? Yes, because they do a lot of the heavy lifting for the GMs these days. And Chris Draper certainly has the skill set and the personality and the credentials to be a GM at the NHL level. Will it be in Detroit or somewhere else? I have no idea. Who knows how long Steve Eiserman wants to do this? Uh, who knows what six future success looks like for Detroit? All of that is still very TBD. I, So I don't know.
1: Wildcat Dallas Drake says I'm thoroughly enjoying the high of the Red Wings doing well. However, just like December was a bad streak, this looks to be a good streak, which will also end at some point. Seems like most teams have these streaks, but maybe not this pronounced. This makes it hard to judge if they're a good team or not. If you were to reforecast your preseason projections for the Red Wings regular season point total, what would you say? I had them around 91, 92 points. If I, I remember. think you were the optimist. Yeah, I might, I might skew them a few points higher, but not much more than that. And that would still be, that's dangerous because that's banking on them playing like this the rest of the season. I'd skew them a few points higher, maybe to 94, but you're right that it's a lot in both directions. I think if you watch, you know, the start of the game until five minutes before the end is a really good way to judge what this team actually is in terms of, yes, ignore the results, ignore all of teams. Are they actually good or bad? They still have a lot of holes. Like they'll drive you nuts a lot of nights.
0: I'm still, yeah. so... I had them at 7th in the division in my preseason predictions, so I think if you would have told me at that time that in January they would have a 50% chance of making the playoffs, I'd be like, what the hell did they do? So yeah, I would skew them higher than what I had. I'm sure I was somewhere in the low to mid-80s. I am still very much confused what this team is, especially after the past, the duality of the past two months. I would like to see some consistency in the overall play of this team so that i can you know draw some personality traits from them yeah but right now you you know you got to enjoy the hot streaks we enjoyed at the start of season we had a very dark december and january's turned out to be very very good so far so i'm just enjoying the the high the high vibes right now
1: Laporta Potty says, Growing up as a sports fan, I've learned that more often than not, play-by-play announcers tend to be pretty awful. That being said, Mickey Redmond and Ken Daniels are probably the best in history, in my opinion. What is it about those two that sets the bar so high? As always, huge fan of the show. Go Lions. Dan Campbell for president.
0: We're yeah. so screwed when they both retire.
1: I hope it's 100 years from now. Uh, like Ken's goal call last night was phenomenal. Wouldn't no. know. Oh, you I was got stuck the, at TNT? Uh, I was in the living room at TNT. Yeah, the... His goal call, like, outstanding. It's the right mix of so many different things. I, I can't possibly boil down a profession that I'm not proficient in. But one thing that I always appreciate that Ken does is he calls the game with vigor and excitement with either team scoring. Yes. At no point does he let that game become boring viewing. He keeps the viewer engaged. They have the, the chemistry is there. Not that we'd know about that, but, like, the chemistry between Ken and Mick is outstanding mick is a perfect color commentator amazing insights into the game was a you know unreal goal scorer in the nhl himself fantastic players stories to pull from understands the game at a level that the viewer doesn't but translates it and does it with uh, like a flash of color and humor in a way that's genuinely unique and valuable to the game
0: and they both have similar but Slightly different perspectives on the world of hockey, and it's yeah. very—it's refreshing that it's not just two guys who are just saying the same things. They're—they're they're willing to not argue on TV, but you know, they—they they can sort of, you know, they—they they see, other. yeah, they see the game with different lenses, and it's yeah. f- refreshing.
1: You ever talk to Ken and Mick? Like you'll understand. Like oh yeah, just live, breathe, and it—they—it's what they do, and it's what they love, and you can see and hear it.
0: They're. They're professionals. That is for sure.
1: <laughs> Did you see uh, what Pete Blackburn posted? No. Oh, I'll show you after. It was
0: on Twitter, so probably he not. Ha-
1: he had a he had a little of a little bit of a boo boo on a live panel, and he like it was a funny thing, and he posted it himself. But it it made me feel better for some of the times I've messed up on here. And it was it I was couldn't.
0: Funny. Yeah, you know, the Red Wings Valley Sports has have, have had a lot of new people come in, like Chris Osgood's come in, Jimmy Howard's come in, and people. will are very quick to judge their performances, but it's really hard. It's tough, <laughs> we man. We say dumb shit on a podcast. We can edit it. Yeah. On live TV, you are there. You're hope, You're wishing you could just pull the trap door and get the hell out of there. Never be seen again. I never knew that it'd be so difficult sometimes
1: to stop your mouth from... Like, you. There's something happens in your brain, and in your brain, you're like, don't say that, but there's actual momentum. Back, we're
0: going. It's too late.
1: Oh, my God. I never thought that would be a thing. So, like, growing up, you see someone mess up on TV. You're like, oh... What A stupid thing to say, but sometimes you can't stop the words from coming the out.
0: lights turn on. They're like, You got five <laughs> seconds till you need to start <laughs> saying something or looking at this camera, and it's like, I don't know what I'm gonna say at all. I'm an idiot,
1: you blank,
0: you, yeah. The... Oh, yeah. Hey, but Jimmy Howard and Chris Osgood have become excellent. I think Chris has done a fantastic job on oh. play by play this year. Yeah, he's a, he's a natural and offers such a great perspective as, as a former goalie. Yeah, his color commentary has been f- it's been excellent. Yeah, so we're the Red Wings fans with. With the Bally team are we're spoiled.
1: Matthew M. Rice says, Will Jonathan Berggren be a Red Wing this time next season? I sure hope so, but curious what you guys think. I would say it's uh if it's more than 50%, it's not a lot more. I would say maximum 60% chance. It's he's not gonna be happy staying down there. And I <laughs> the Red Wings don't seem to be in a hurry to bring him up.
0: Yeah, it's uh I'd flip a coin at this point. You know we've talked about this at length. I'm, he doesn't seem to fit what the Red Wings are looking to do. They didn't draft him, so I'm so I'm super confused. Could he be a fresh start guy? Maybe I would like to see him on the Red Wings team because I think he does produce and can be an efficient player at the NHL level. It's it's got I, I don't know where to go on this one. Dan Hedin says, hey boys, this
1: is it just me or do the Wings seem to have problems with fast forechecking teams? Seems like the bad clubs are using this to give us a hard time. Yep, they do and they have all season.
0: And that's not a trait unique to the Red Wings. The Red Wings just don't have a lot of elite talent that can play against it or, or mitigate the way that aggressive forechecks play against them.
1: Yeah, if you are fast in transition and talented in transition, the Red Wings will typically struggle against you. And yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about their defensive ineptitudes and there's only so many players who are able to, to take the minutes against the other team's top players. Like Those two things are linked. So you're right, Evan. It's more that teams who are able to be effective in that way, have an advantage against a lot of teams in the league, but the Red Wings are definitely, I, I don't think, I think they're well below average in terms of how they're able to match up. That's, that's a really good uh, uh, thing to pick out. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. As you might have been able to tell, Brad had to run out. Uh, he uh, got a call from Santa. I'm sure they had to do some cleanup after all his work to make all those toys over Christmas. So uh, we're going to finish up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. We're going to be back with you Sunday morning. It's going to feature an interview that episode, so it's going to be a little bit fun for you. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you to Labap Blue Light for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to all of our listeners, new and old. We uh, appreciate you. Welcome to the show if you're new. And if you've uh, been listening for a while, thank you for uh, for tuning in. To all of our patrons, we couldn't do this without you. And to our name-level supporters, thank you so much. On Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Samuel Soderholm, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Croner's Left Knee, Ashley Van Conant, Sea Lion, Keenan O'Donohue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. Of the Cheesebag Navy, Brad Chin Extensions Baggins, Carl Bertanin Aniluski, Carl Provi, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Craig Kibble, Curtis Snyder, Daddy Bettman Bucks, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Eric Shun, G.O.D. Creatives, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassan Walkassem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kaylin Wood, Marcus Marlin Winchester, Matt K. Cannonfart of The Cheesebag Army, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, R.A., Red Feather Desert Dogs, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Screen Lube, Sprong88, The Best, That's What I Appreciate About You, The Department of Player Safety, Delusion, Walman's Elite Dancing D, Eyes are Stan, General Andy Bohan of The Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, A.B., Adam Rose, Axel Sandy Pelica, Bellingham, Acid Balls, new name level supporter, welcome. Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Baron of the Cheeseback Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Preda, Darren Fick, D-Boss Snip Show, Derek James, Dungeon Master of Puppets, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, Derogatory, John Engels, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Les Grossman's ungodly Firestorm, Linda Hull, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Nate Danielson is a Portland Winterhawk mother. Nora Sider, Oophelia, Steven, the Hodag, the Mexinadian, the Hat123. These lions are unreal. Winging it in San Diego, ex-formerly AA Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. We'll talk to you Sunday.